0: Thanks for tuning in to the PCBC Marriage and Family Ministry Podcast. Our mission is to engage, enlighten, encourage, equip, and enrich families with biblical strategies and training. For more marriage and family resources, please visit us at pcbc.tv forward slash faith at home. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you seek God's will for your marriage and
1: family.
2: Hey everyone, this is Kirk Bruner. Welcome to a very special edition of the podcast where we're partnering with Family Life Ministries to bring you what I hope will become a date night with your spouse. Family Life recently produced an excellent video series called The Art of Marriage. And they've given us permission to present some excerpts from that series in order to trigger conversations between husband and wives on an upcoming date night. And perhaps either just before or even while driving to get to that date, you can listen to this audio and hopefully use it to foster greater intimacy in your marriage. Now the full Art of Marriage series deals with a whole range of topics including your sex life, communication, the legacy you want to leave as a couple, and on and on. But what I want to do is just zero in in the next roughly 30 minutes, zero in on two specific themes. The first being the purpose of marriage. Let's get on the same page as couples in understanding God's design and purpose for our relationship and how he's given us to one another as a gift and what that means. And then secondly, to be honest about the problem in our marriage, the problem in every marriage that's related to the human condition and how that affects our relationships. Now, I should explain that this series includes a number of very engaging elements from dramas to group discussions, to couples being interviewed and telling their own story, and expert voices such as Crawford Loritz, Dr. Vodi Baucom, Dr. Russell Moore, and others you might recognize. And we're gonna go in and out of some of those elements during this audio portion in order to give us a taste and a feel for the series, but more importantly, to drive specific discussion on the themes I've mentioned. And so with that, I'd like to get started. The first voice you're gonna hear is from Dennis Rainey, who is the president and host of Family Life.
3: I think when most most couples get married, they, they really don't have any idea of the grandeur of marriage
4: and what God's up to. The, the starry-eyed myth that most couples are dealing with is this, this myth of, I found, I, I usually say, the one, 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 you know, <laughs> I found the one. If you start with that mythological idea, then basically you get married and difficulty happens. Well, if the myth says marry the right one and it's gonna be clear sailing, I got married and it wasn't clear sailing, guess what? I must have married the wrong one. By the time I get finished with premarital counseling, I want a couple to know that they have presuppositions and that many, if not most of those presuppositions are not biblical. And they need to identify those presuppositions, compare them to scripture, and repent. <laughs> so by the time we get through uh, that whole, you know, starry-eyed cultural myth needs to have met the biblical picture of marriage, and they need to see that that myth was inferior. And the second thing that they need to see is that marriage is not about them, but it is about Christ and His glory.
5: And that's I don't we don't always think about marriage in that light. We think about loving one another, taking them out to dinner, having great vacations, and all that stuff is wonderful. Sexual interaction, all that stuff is really great. But the truth of the matter is the ultimate purpose of a marriage relationship in human history, frankly, is that marriage is to reflect and to tell the truth about the God we're related to and whose image we bear.
3: When two people get married, they make a, a lifelong pledge and covenant to, to really love one another and take care of one another till death do they part. And I think a part of what God's up to in marriage is wanting to remind us he made a promise to love us and never leave us or forsake us. And he also made a covenant to redeem us.
5: Um, and so we should never enter into marriage with an open door policy or a mindset that, okay, this may not work. We enter into marriage. It says that this is my life, for the rest of my life, and this car has no reverse. I think it starts
6: with just recognizing that marriage is more than me. It's it's not something. It's not a device or an apparatus that God has given us that simply services ourself, or simply meets our needs. But it exists. For a bigger purpose, a more glorious purpose, and that—that's where we go back to Ephesians five, and 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 we're told in Ephesians five that that it is a profound mystery that actually reflects the reality of of Christ's love for the church, and so it's it, it's being in marriage with the reality that that while what takes place in our marriage each and every day is significant, it's important, that there's something far more significant and important going on. There, there's a statement, there's a, a testimony, there's a, 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 a parable that's playing out that, that reveals something about God. That, that marriage is embedded in the culture as a gospel testimony that is always making statements. The only question is whether it's a good statement or a bad one.
7: Apparently there is one way, that is Carrie's way. I expected
6: to be more patient.
7: I expected to be able to connect with her all the time. To
6: be active.
7: To have the right answer all the time.
6: Of course there were things that I wanted.
7: And I expected to be able to make her laugh all the time.
6: I mean, it's being with your best friend all the time.
7: That's not always true. I thought
6: it would be a lot of work, which it is.
7: Because we will be married forever, but um, awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always
6: thought of myself as being a very confident, independent person. I didn't realize how vulnerable marriage would make me.
7: If I do something, and I try, and it, it doesn't work out well, and she's disappointed or annoyed, like that just, that kills me.
6: Little things would come up and I'd have to check myself and say, why am I f- feeling this way or why do I think he's in the wrong or he's not doing this right. Really it wasn't any actual issue, it was just my own selfishness.
7: It all requires work all the time. We don't ever have something, um, in an area of our marriage where we just we've put the work in, we got to figure it figured out and we're finished. It's something that we need to really keep working on and keep thinking about and always making sure that our hearts are in the right place because as soon as we stop putting that kind of work into it,
5: it's just, it's going to fall apart. We have to face these things together and not not face off against one another. And so on a day-to-day basis, you make the choice. It's a decision and it's not easy. But, you know, that's what makes it sweet, though. Uh, That's what makes marriage wonderful, It's pressing through the adversity, pressing through the difficulties, and receiving each other uh, in in spite of the opposition and problems. And I don't like you today. (laughs) I, I don't like what you said. I don't like how you acted. I don't like the decisions that you make. But I still choose not to run from you, but to run toward you, and to get on our knees and turn toward God. Uh, and that, that, that's the reality of welcoming and choosing and receiving, you're made as a gift from God.
2: Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife
1: and they shall be one flesh, Genesis 2:24.
3: Receiving your spouse means that you don't merely just accept them and and let them be. It means you literally embrace the God-given differences and uniquenesses that uh,
5: He's built into
3: them and given to you as a
5: gift. We've been married for many, 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 many years now. The easiest day was the wedding day. I mean, because you made the promises, you made the commitment, and you're all wonderful and you're nothing's wrong and you know everybody else's problems accept us. But you know, we have discovered that that almost on a daily basis, receiving one another as God's gift is a choice. Now, you know, when there are hard times, when we disagree about things, or when there are financial challenges, or when you have children and they make bad choices and we disagree about how to deal with those choices. You know, or when they're suffering in adversity or when you, you know, just all kinds of issues. Uh, uh, we, I want to spend the money this way. She says, no, we don't need to spend it that way. I mean, I, at that point, I have to make choices. I resolve the conflict, but I got to remember that she's not my enemy, that that's God's gift to me. I'd
2: like to pause here just briefly to give you your first assignment for your date as you begin to talk about some of the things you're hearing. Uh, During the date, I want you to tell one another one, two, three, or a hundred things, but uh, at least a couple of things that you appreciate about one another. Uh, Because, husband, you're a gift to your wife, wife, you're a gift to your husband from God himself. And in giving you a gift, he's given you a package filled with wonderful, wonderful surprises. So for example, you might say, oh, I so appreciate the fact that you, you, you're you so good with details. I'm not, and you're so good with details, and, and that's so helpful to me. Or maybe you'll say, you express your feelings better than I do. And it could be as simple as, hey, you look great in jeans, or you look fantastic out of jeans, you know, whatever it might be. Tell your spouse what it is you appreciate about them and that they are a gift to you from God. So that's your first assignment on the date, is just verbalize what it is you so appreciate about your spouse in receiving them as a gift from God. All right? Now we're going to transition for the remainder of this episode to a second theme that emerges in this series, and that is the fact that our spouse is not our enemy, but we do have an enemy. Our marriages have an enemy. So let's move from Genesis chapter 1 and 2 describing the purpose of marriage into Genesis chapter 3 where we're introduced to the problem with the human race and therefore the problem that confronts every marriage.
1: Marrying Dave Wilson was the most exciting thing I could even imagine. I just had these pictures in my head of what Dave was going to be like. He's the hottest most godly. He's going to lead me spiritually. It was the most anticipated thing of my life to marry him.
0: I was married 10 years, and then we started embarking on the dream of our life.
1: The dream started to become a reality, but it was becoming a very difficult reality.
0: I basically got two or three jobs going all at the same time trying to be a dad trying to be a husband trying to live my dream of starting help starting this church he was gone more and more and more i'm at the same time the detroit lions chaplain so i'm leading bible studies i'm on the road with the team i would say things like honey
1: you've got to be here like the boys are growing up i need you the boys need you I'm longing to spend time with you." And he's like, oh, I know.
0: I thought I was doing great as a husband, as a dad. I preach this stuff. I know you know what the Bible says about marriage. And I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm living it pretty good. And we've got a pretty good marriage. I would put my marriage up against anybody's.
1: He would walk out the door, and I'd be like, wait, you're leaving again tonight? And he'd be like, yeah, don't you remember? I had this meeting, and then I have to go here, and I have to speak to these people. And I'd be like, whatever. Great, you know what? I'll put the boys to bed by myself again. That's great, honey. See ya.
0: I would have said to you, on a scale of 1 to 10, my marriage is probably a 10. If not a 10, it's a 9.8, and I guarantee you my wife would agree.
1: And I would have probably said, we're a 1, maybe like a .5. Um, and I think he was totally clueless to that, which then, that made me even more angry, because I'm thinking, how do you not know how bad we're doing?
0: On May twenty-fourth, 1990 was our 10 year anniversary and I sort of surprised Ann with a 10 year anniversary date. We dressed up, went to a really nice restaurant and I sort of set it up with the waiter while we were having dinner when I would cue him, just sort of give him a look, he was supposed to bring a rose over. And so I cued him early in the dinner and he brought over a rose and laid it on the table and we talked about year one.
1: He was like a little boy that night, like waiting for the next thing to happen
0: and I looked over later and he brought another rose. So anyway, every rose was a year and we would talk about that year. He
1: was so sweet. He even planned what he was going to say when each rose arrived.
0: On the way home, I thought it'd be pretty cool to uh, park in the parking lot where we were about to start our church. And Ann hadn't even seen this, so I thought it'd be pretty cool to park there, maybe pray about what God could possibly do. And to be totally honest with you, I thought we should just park.
1: I know Dave Wilson. I knew that there was like this ulterior motive where it's was like, yeah, we're going to park here. And, you know, he's all about the parking part. And so um, I kind of knew that was coming.
0: So I leaned over to kiss Ann. And uh, as I, you know, lean over to kiss her in the passenger seat, she sort of pulls away.
1: Uh, I just was like, I can't even, honey, I, I, in my head, I was thinking I cannot even go there.
0: So I pull back and I look at her and I say, is something wrong? She looks at me, I'll never forget this, and she goes, well, yeah, there is something wrong. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she says, well, to be honest with you, I've lost my feelings for you.
3: We get married to become one. And yet, immediately, even before the ceremony, we begin to experience the isolation that can occur between two imperfect
6: people. Genesis 2 presents this wonderful picture of the man and the woman. They're in the garden. They're enjoying intimacy with God, their Creator. Um, They're they're naked and they're not ashamed, but everything changes in Genesis 3.
5: Where you hiding, son? Eve, girl, what have you done?
0: Look around, it's broken now. Under a curse, from bad to worse. Now your eyes. Are wise and clear Now you know shame Now you know fear Now you
4: know you're naked Now you run for cover Well here's what's gonna happen Life will be shorter Pain will be greater Work will be harder Grinding it out by the sweat On your brow The blood on your hands Eve and Adam Even the bond you have Will now be strained Slightly off Distorted, reframed.
5: He looked them in the eye with a sigh.
0: It's broken now, he said.
4: serpent he
1: just smiled
3: when adam and eve sinned in the garden uh, a number of things occurred first of all at the root of all of it was pride and and disobedience to god
8: and, and that began the downward spiral, and that began this whole notion of them retreating from uh, from one another, withdrawing from one another, living in isolation from God, and here we have the unraveling of God's first institution, marriage.
4: Sin affects every aspect of my person. It ex- sin infects every aspect of every human being. Um, body, soul, spirit, I mean, our our minds, our thinking, our emotions, our actions, all of it is affected by the fall.
6: First and primarily, the effect of of sin is that it breaks that relationship with God. There is no longer the the intimacy, the unity that they enjoyed. But it's not limited to just God, because there's things happening between the man and the woman as well. Again, in Genesis 2, they're, they're together, they are united. There is a, a, a joy and a union together. But in Genesis 3, we begin to see the effects. They're, they're
8: subtle, but they're dramatic. I, I think we're just grossly naive to the constant battle that's waging war in our marriages. And that battle is so much beyond personality types or um, how you were raised. It, it's a spiritual warfare that's happening and tragically most of our people are very naive to it marriage is is god's greatest
5: institution marriage is designed to tell the truth about god that's the noble definition of marriage it is it is designed to carry his purposes through flesh and blood from one generation to the next it is designed to to impact time with eternal principles that's that's noble so we have to understand Satan's not sitting back in his lazy boy lounger while we just have a glorious marriage and resolve conflict and get along with one another and help each other plan and help each other overcome problems and stuff. And, you know, and he doesn't intrude. No, he's, he's, this is, this is serious stuff here. And the real enemy in our household is not, it's not your wife who has a problem with anger or your husband who is not engaged and responsible, yeah, I mean, those are issues that need to be fixed. I don't want to sound Pollyanna there, but your biggest enemy is a supernatural enemy. I don't want the enemy through me to drive a wedge in my household, to destroy my marriage or, my, or for me to say hurtful, spiteful things to my kids or to let my sin uh, be leveraged. Uh, that's where the real battle is. And that's why we need Jesus, and we need His presence, and we need His covering so desperately. When we say that our mate is not our enemy, what we're really saying is that, you know, they're a human being. That's my life partner. We, we fight the battle together. I mean, it's that old line, but it's a true one. We we don't turn on each other. We both turn toward God, and we deal with the issue or the sin, but I don't treat her or treat him as if they're my enemy. They're not. And I think one of the things that makes the gospel good
6: news is that the gospel first comes and announces bad news. It, it announces reality. It tells us things as they are. It says, it says that you are first a sinner and that's a problem. And so the primary challenge of your marriage is not that you're married to a sinner, it's that you are a sinner. And
8: that really complicates things. What gospel living is, when we boil it down, it's giving up my rights for the glory of God. And I find that many couples on the brink, they're holding on to their rights. Okay, and this is, this is kind of the 50-50 paradigm. Here's what I expect, here's what I do, here's what you expect, uh, here's what you do. You do your part, I do my part, it's all good. That's not the gospel. I like to say it this way,
3: that what the cross promises a marriage is fresh starts and new beginnings.
1: Dave, I really have lost my feelings for you. I'm sitting there stunned. Like, what? I knew that that killed him. And I was at a point where I didn't even know what else to say to him. And so when he asked me to tell him what I meant by that, I just said, I feel like you're never home. I feel like you're not engaged with me. I feel like you're not engaged with the boys. I immediately
0: went defensive. I was like, I'm going to reach in the back seat, pull out my little day day planner, my calendar, and prove to her she's wrong. I have been home. I can show you. And right as I was turning like this, I sensed the Spirit of God. Don't grab that planner. Don't say a word. Listen. Just shut up and listen.
1: And so I shared with him how at first I was really angry and then I was really bitter and then my bitterness turned to resentment and then after a while I didn't even care that he was gone
0: I again sensed from God's spirit to my spirit one word and the word was repent
1: all of a sudden he's like honey I just have to do something first and I'm thinking, do something. What, well, you're going to go somewhere? You're gonna, what are you going to do?
0: God was saying, if you want to get this right, this horizontal husband-wife relationship right, this needs to be right, the vertical relationship
1: between God and myself. And so he, you should have seen this. He turns around in our Honda, and he's on, I don't even know how he did it. He's on his knees on the floor of this Honda with the steering wheel in his back. And um, he starts to pray out loud
0: God, I repent. I'm too busy. I'm lukewarm. I know what you think of lukewarm uh, Christians, and I want to be right with you. And I repent of my sin. And I want to be the husband, and I want to be the dad you called me to be to be the dad that I preach, the dad that I know, and the husband I know what the word says, and I'm not living it, I'm saying it, but I'm not doing it, I'm a hypocrite. And I don't want to be a hypocrite anymore. I want to love her like she deserves, and I want to love my kids like they deserve, and I'm not doing it. And I ask you to give me the power to be the man you called me to be.
1: The amazing thing is when I saw him do that, um, it, it just broke my heart. God was saying to me, Ann Wilson, you have been trying to get your happiness for the last six months from your husband. And I never made him, I never equipped him to fill all your needs. I am the only one who can meet all of your needs. And that thought alone spurred me on to get on my knees and for me it was a moment of repentance too.
0: As we prayed on our 10 year anniversary and sort of resubmitted our marriage back to Christ as 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 I'm sitting here 20 years later I can tell you that moment changed our marriage. It did, it really did. It was like if if this is gonna work this has to be in place.
1: That night became a moment of spiritual awakening for both of us. It was a night of rededicating our hearts to God, our hearts to Jesus, and rededicating our marriage to Him, and asking Him to come in to heal us, to give us wisdom to know how to go on from here, and really to change our hearts, and He did that.
2: One of the themes we heard is that God intends marriage to tell the truth about who he is, and of course the gospel itself, where Jesus Christ laid down his life for his bride, and that we're called to do the same with one another. So I have another assignment for your date night, and that's to talk to one another about how you think your marriage is reflecting the truth of God and the gospel. What aspects of your marriage you think are doing that well, and perhaps some areas that you could focus on to make your marriage an even stronger picture, an even better story reflecting the truth of God. And then two quick other assignments. First, I want each of you just hold hands and pray aloud. God, help me to be the gift to my husband, the gift to my wife that you've called me to be in coming days. And then secondly, you may want to wrap it up by um, parking or some other way to connect physically, but I don't think you need my coaching on that. We'll let you handle that yourself. Once again, I want to express appreciation to Family Life Ministries for the opportunity to share these highlights from the Art of Marriage series. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening. We pray that what you've heard today will encourage you and your family. If you would like to learn more about the marriage and family ministry at PCBC, please visit us online at pcbc.tv forward slash faith at home. To learn more about Putnam City Baptist Church and our many other ministries, please visit pcbc.tv. Thanks for joining us and have a blessed day.